Well, there's a lot. I don't know if it's new or not. There's a lot that we just didn't get to in the time that we had that. And also, well, I guess this is a new development. I've created an interactive Epstein map. Some people have seen the Epstein map videos that I did last July and and so on to make these little maps. But we decided, and this might be why my website's down, but we decided to make an interactive map with faces and names of companies that you could click on and it would go to a report uh, with all the sources about the information of the individual or the company we're talking about as it relates to Jeffrey Epstein. So, and we made a poster as well. So that as soon as, you know, as soon as I can get my site going again, we'll have that available for everybody and all your viewers. And I hope that'll be this week. Is it hackers that are taking you down? This was my, no, it was, it was an inside job. My host took me down and we have proof. They, they, this, it's not specifically targeting me. I think they do it to a lot of people. For once, it's something Bluehost does. It's a scam with SiteLock where they put malware on your site and then hold your site hostage and say, well, you can buy this anti-malware, which they get a kickback for, uh, to remove it. And most people capitulate because if they don't, they can't get their site back. So it's wow. something they do. But I had some nerds go in there and look at it and said, they just renamed your files and put 1111 next to it. It wasn't even malware. Like somebody from the back end went in and renamed files to destroy the site. So we went in and fixed it. And it's currently migrating now because I got to get off that host because I've had nothing but problems since they got bought out by a certain larger company. And if you Google Bluehost Site Lock Scam, you will see I'm not alone. This has been happening to many, many people. It's extortion is what it is, but it's very hard to prove. And it doesn't, you don't know if it's a company thing or just, it could be as little as a couple employees just figured out a way to scam people and upsell them on anti-malware. So for, for once, this isn't me getting deplatformed because of my content. This just is coincidental of some jerks that deplatform everybody for a little bit of cash. Before the Weinstein questions, then let's go over the things that you felt we left out in the last episode. We've got plenty of time. What were the what were they, please? Oh, I'm not sure. I just know we didn't get into everything. <laughs> I don't remember what we talked about and what we didn't. Uh, and there were some things we got into. I think we did cover part of his financial scandals, and we mentioned some others, uh, but I don't know if we really got into detail in explaining. I think I said he had a Ponzi scheme, but I didn't say what that entailed specifically. I don't know how detailed the audience wants to know what they did at, at Tower Financial or, or yeah, what have you. Yeah, we want but, all the detail, and I'm hoping to interview the um, the guy who went to prison for that here soon. Oh, uh, Hoffenberger, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's one of their earlier scams, you know, and apparently... Uh, Steve, he was introduced to, Jeff was introduced to Steve by Douglas Lease, uh, who is an arms dealer in the UK, who would have known uh, Maxwell, uh, the senior Robert Maxwell. And according to Arvin Menashe, they weren't very good at the arms deal. They, meaning uh, Jeslin and Jeffrey, they were good at sexual blackmail. But they tried their hand at some of these financial scams. And everyone that's saying that Jeffrey Epstein was some sort of financial whiz kid or a genius or whatever, he really wasn't. His Ponzi schemes were pretty basic fraud. He just lied about his assets, lied about the, lied about um, how solvent the company, whichever one. He did it multiple times. But in this case, like Tower Financial was a collection agency. So they went around collecting debts. It's one of the things that it did. 
And what they started doing is they were, first of all, they were getting more investments than they should have by lying to their investors about their books, just simply fudged the numbers and said they had assets they didn't really have and said they had money they didn't really have. So they were borrowing uh, tainted money in a sense. And then they were not investing that where they told their investors they were going to invest it. Instead, they tried to buy out uh, things like Pan Am Airlines and, and they were gambling on the stock market essentially. And what really blew it up was when the Lockerbie scandal happened, where Pan Am Flight 103 was blown up and the stock tanked and the bottom fell out. But Epstein, uh, on many occasions, he would still move things around by making false brokerage accounts. Um, well, they weren't false, but he used intermediaries to do that because he didn't have a license for it, lied to them, and temporarily could float the stock up. But eventually it fell out. But he got out of it squeaky clean somehow, even though he's the principal uh, center figure in the Ponzi scheme. And over 200,000 people lost money in this. And all these people that were investing in Tower Financial who didn't know that their money was being gambled with in the stock market were never really repaid. And it was over $475 million dollars plus interest, which would be about $1 billion as of last year, a little bit more than that now. And they, they're they never going to get repaid. I mean, and that that's just horrible. And, and yet Epstein is still able to then work for Bear Stearns, get loans from Deutsche Bank. There are zero financial consequences for what he did. And he never informed anybody that he got a loan from what his history was. And they didn't really ask him too deeply either. So he's both sides to blame. But he's rubbing shoulders with all these billionaires because of the mega group. Wexner is probably the most famous uh, name on that map, or he's famous now. I don't know how famous he was. He's infamous would be a better word. That's who gave him a house, you know. And so when he can show you, oh, here's my $77 million home and I have another place in the Caribbean. And by the way, do you know I know Bill Gates and this guy and this guy and this guy? It makes it easier for you know people to believe that, oh, he's some financial whiz kid, take my money and invest it. But all he was doing was lying to people over and over. And he most of his bets were failed. I mean, he was terrible at it. But he was managed to stay afloat because of his side business, which was blackmailing blackmailing principally science and technology and media uh, on behalf of Israeli intelligence. Do you think then if he got a pass on the financial scams, that was because he was doing that for intelligence and the money was going to intelligence? Well, he got a pass because partly the money, partly the money was propping up his cutout lifestyle. Um, but he also needed a lot of money to run all these different properties like to get an island in the Caribbean, an isolated island in the Caribbean takes a lot of capital. And he had to have some way of explaining how he got that. He can't say, oh, I'm Israeli intelligence and this is my payroll. You have to have some other explanation for how he's getting all this money. So he said, oh, uh, oh, he's a hedge fund manager. And he didn't even like to call himself that because he really didn't do that either. <laughs> he only had one real client, which was Wexner. And the rest, he was just squandering people's money or acting as a middleman to set up uh, dummy companies like uh, I think we talked about last time about liquid funding and Bear Stearns Ireland as a way of taking 
they were taking junk assets and totally insolvent like this just saying same as the housing bubble bad securities bad uh cdos and they would offset the debt by moving it off the books from bear stearns and on to liquid funding and then the rating agencies would come and look and then on the first of the month they'd buy them back again <laughs> and he issued faulty commercial paper into a bunch of money markets and this sounds complicated, but it really isn't. Any idiot can do that. What was amazing is how long he could do that and get away with it. And he was kind of an untouchable guy. And as we find out later from Acosta, for example, who claims he was told back off this guy's intelligence. Well, he's not U.S. intelligence. The U.S. isn't spying on itself. It's foreign intelligence. And it's very clear by his list of clients and financial supporters which country that was. So in Maria Farmer's recent interviews before she was legally gagged, she is claiming that Epstein was boasting, I got this property for a, a dollar from Wexner. And it seems that Wexner was the head of the snake, according to Maria. Have you listened to any of Maria's recent interviews and were there any revelations in there for you? I got summaries of her interviews from other people. I didn't listen to them myself because I'd love to have done that, but I've been on the defense all the past few weeks with my websites disappearing and being kicked off Twitter and doing the normal <laughs> censorship uh, dance that I have to do. But, you know, from what I heard from the summaries, at least, it was, you know, sickening details, some of the things that they said to her and what they did to her. And this is clearly someone that was severely abused. Right. And something she say might seem a little loopy or whatever, but you have to read, you have to understand this is a person that was a victim of serial child abuse. And so, you know, bless her for coming out of it at all. <clears throat> but well, Wexner is the head of the snake in the sense that he was the conduit from the mega group that was responsible for being the, the financial sponsor for Jeff Epstein. So she's saying that they also threw the Rothschild's name around a lot, as if in the power structure, they were at the top of what was going on. Do you concur? There isn't really a top. It's more of a bar. And at the top are all the all the mega group people, which, which include Rothschild, Steinhardt, uh, Wexner, the Bronfmans, both Bronfmans. Uh, and then you've got some other billionaire clients like the Dubins, um, Ace Greenberg, et cetera, very powerful men. But the the very top for a longer period of time, this is really an evolved group from the Sunborn Institute all the way back in the 40s, uh, which consisted of millionaires rather than billionaires, but, uh, you know, would be billionaires today. And you had people like uh, Abby Hillel Silver and Ted Kulak and Yudal uh, uh, Razi, Leonard Wiseman, those kind of guys. And, of course, Rudolf Sonborn. Um, and, you know, a lot of these people had, you know, a lot of these people had connections to organized crime. Uh, Sammy Kay, Meyer Lansky, et cetera. And Sammy Kay actually was a, a conduit between Ted Kulak, uh, who is the second command of Haganah, I forgot his fancy title, um, but, uh, and he was the executive secretary of the, of the Jewish agency, which was sort of the government in waiting that becomes the first Israeli government. The JA also, by the way, is who sponsored the infamous five dancing Israelis, according to 
Paul Kersberg, the the head of that cell. But this is an important part, and it kind of dovetails to something that Ari Ben Menashe brought up on your show. I watched that interview, enjoyed it. You guys were talking about Iran Contra a little bit, and it what he said was true in the sense that Israel wanted Iran and Iraq to tear apart tear each other apart and favored Iran over Saddam Hussein. But the contraband and financial and military aid to Nicaragua started before the Iran-Iraq war. Israel had set up uh, financial aid to Somoza because his father had done the same for uh, Haganah back in the 40s. They acted as a third party, a, a third flag country to get around Export Arms Export Control Act, what would happen is the United States would send weapons to the National Guard in Nicaragua, who would then divert them to Haganah to use in the war against Palestinians. So, and the same group that set that up, the Sonomorn group, is the first generation of the mega group. All those guys are dead now, but uh, almost all. But the second generation is the Bronfmans and Wexner and Steinhardt, and there's a whole list of them on my site that doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> but uh, there will be a list of them. And however, one name that is in both generations are the Rothschilds, but not the same individuals. And if anyone wants to watch the interview I did with Ari Ben Menashe, former Israeli military intelligence, it's in the description box below this video, as is a link to Ryan's YouTube channel, which has been up and down over the years. Um, mm. So I urge people to go over there and check his channel and subscribe and look at his excellent work. He's got these videos explaining the map. He's got in the background there in much more detail. Um, so there's endless content over on his channel as well. So that's down there in the description box. If you had a chance to interview Ari Ben Menashe, what would you ask him? Oh my gosh. I don't know if I will get that chance, but um, I have a lot of questions that I'd want to ask him about uh, about Maxwell more than Epstein. I think what he's given us about Epstein, he kind of gave us after most of that had been figured out. But he knew Robert Maxwell, and I'm very interested in another case because although Arbin Menashe worked in Israeli intelligence, not the Mossad per se, but Israeli intelligence, they did set up a honey trap with the Mossad to catch Mordecai Venunu, who had been the whistleblower on kind of an open secret now that Israel built uh, hundreds of nuclear warheads. They acquired that technology by stealing it from the United States, mainly from an area in Apollo, Pennsylvania called Numec. I have a film coming out about that, and I'm interested in the Venunu honey trap because Venunu went to the UK papers. That's how Maxwell, why he informed Menashe. I want to know why did he even know you at that time? How long had that relationship lasted before uh, the Venunu affair? And what got him in? Were they targeting British media? Because every intelligence agency, not just the Israelis, try to infiltrate media if they can and control as much as they can. So I have a lot of questions about Robert Maxwell, because his history is sort of just the tail end of his life and the scandal with what happened to his wealth. You know, he had this huge pensions fund scandal, but where did the money go? You've got a missing fortune here. You've got some unexplained fortunes over there. What happened? And I bet he knows more than what he said. 
So I'd like to kind of grill him on uh, Robert Maxwell more if I could. There's a fascinating account of that honey trap in the book, The Assassination of Robert Maxwell. People watching this video, I imagine a lot of them are not familiar with that story. Could you tell them that story from your own perspective? I think Gordon Thomas has some two books on that. May go over that. I think that's who you're referring to. Yeah, Robert Maxwell was found naked and dead off his own boat, I believe, near the Canary Islands. And... He had been working with the Israeli intelligence as a, a tattletale and moving money around. And it's a very important figure in to have because he was in British media. And uh, all his daughters were successful too, except for Gesleen. They call her a socialite, which is a code word for spoiled brat. <laughs> he never did anything. Like, what's a socialite? Someone that hangs around wealthy, successful people. Uh, it was a mysterious death for him to just, you could claim, I suppose, so maybe he just took off all his clothes and got drunk and then fell overboard and drowned. You could say that. You could say Epstein hung himself and it was just a coincidence that the cameras didn't work, that the guards didn't check at him, that his roommate had been moved out of the room, that he'd been taken off suicide watch, and that he had signed the 1953 trust just 36 hours before he was found dead. You could say that's all coincidence. I don't. And I don't believe that Roderick Maxwell had an accident and fell naked off his boat. Uh, I believe, and I have heard from others, that he was trying to squeeze money out of the Israelis and threaten to reveal ways and means if they didn't comply. You don't blackmail professional blackmailers because there's a one solution to blackmail, and that's to kill the blackmailer. And that's more than likely what happened. But... They did honor him because his eulogy was read by a former the chief of the Mossad and attended by the former chiefs of the Mossad. So they really respected what he did in stealing promise software and getting Mordecai Benunu thrown in prison. He did more damage. I mean, to he really helped the Israeli state contain things, go after their main enemies, steal from the United States. So he was a company man up until he wasn't. So they respected him until then, but they cannot allow him to reveal ways and means. That's about the only thing that would get you uh, bumped. And apparently, according to many, that's what he was trying to do. So he was taken out and yeah. taken out in such a way as to let it know, like, yeah, we did it, but we didn't do it. But yeah, we did <laughs> because he just found naked off his boat, you know. Reminds me of Gazelle Blanca. She used to have people whacked, and then she'd show up at the funerals, and she'd make sure she cried the loudest. And that's how you—that's how you know who did it. Just to expand on the version of events, then in the assassination of Robert Maxwell, in that book, it is claimed that Robert Maxwell is on his yacht, the Lady Ghislaine, and he's up to his neck in these financial difficulties. 
he is leaning on Israel to come up with money through their banking connections and, you know, threatening that information will come out if, if that money is not forthcoming. And they decide he's got to go. So they have this special team that's training for months and they decide on the type of poison they're going to use. They give Maxwell the impression, they tell him to go, you know, a certain place and he's, he's under the impression that there's going to be some kind of meeting whereby the money is going to be forthcoming. And he's on this, his boat off the Canary Islands and the hit team is in a dinghy and they're tracking him. They're below the radar. They know his routine and they come up alongside the boat in this dinghy and he's up there on the deck and the frogman clamors up, comes up behind Maxwell and boom, gets him in the neck with the poison and it's lights out from there. Now, um, you referenced the honey trap earlier that uh, is also in that book. Right, they lured Venunu to Italy. Yeah. Can, uh, can you go over that whole story, please? Because I think it's really relevant to what Epstein was doing. So Mordecai Venunu is an Israeli whistleblower that went to the Sunday Times and other papers, and he had taken pictures of the warheads in Demona which we kind of already knew. I mean, RFK and others, and, and that's a long story. We've always known about Israeli nukes, but he showed the world photographs of it, so it was undeniable. And he and what's odd is it didn't matter. We It's kind of like acknowledging Taiwan exists. It's just something that everyone knows, but governments still act like it. That, you know, it's, it's not there or something. No one will mention Israeli nukes in the American government. One guy did, Ron Paul. He, he acknowledged it, but... They have hundreds of nuclear weapons, so they wanted to get rid of Mordecai Benunu. He, he tattled. He's, he's not. I mean, what he did was in the interest of the world and world peace. And he told the truth. He's a whistleblower. He ought to be honored. But he would end up in solitary confinement, confinement for eleven years. First words out of his mouth when he got out, and then he would go back in again. Was Michael Piper was right about JFK? <laughs> so. But the way they caught him was by using a honey trap. Now, a honey trap, for those who don't know, is when you're lured in, uh, usually by a woman, if you're heterosexual uh, and you're a man, and where they have um, you know, some temptation lure you under the pretext of, of sex or sexual deeds and get you vulnerable. And then, of course, they are actually a, a female agent or just an asset or a paid prostitute, somebody that's irresistible that can lure you to the right place where they can go nab you. And it's used over and over again. I mean, Charles Kushner, you tried tried to use that. He did successfully use it on Governor McGreevy. In that case, that it was a male honey trap because McGreevy was homosexual, closeted homosexual, by the way. He was married, but he did sleep with uh, Golan Sapel. Kushner did that also to his own stepbrother, and he would go to prison, but not for the honey traps. He went to prison for breaking uh, campaign finance laws. But this is something that Hoover did all the time. The FBI is fond of this tactic. And you have to think, Epstein, what's his specialty? Creating honey traps. So, And so that would mean that Maxwell, both Maxwell's uh, father and daughter, were involved in the business of honey trapping. And this is how they would catch Mordecai Venunu. Now, the Israeli intelligence Mossad have plenty of other people who do the same things, but this is kind of the kind of skill set uh, they're setting up. And a huge target is whistleblowers, media, science, and technology.
because those are the things they want to steal. And of course, always politicians are targets. They promote the compromise. They don't catch somebody in a sexual deviant act to open it up to the media as a scandal and get them fired. It's the opposite. Once they got them, they go, now you work for us. And if you don't obey, then we'll release all the info and get you fired. So this Manunu guy then, he knew what he was up against. He was on guard. How did they get a woman to trick him? Well, apparently they lured him to Italy with somebody that uh, someone close to him. I kind of forget the details, but the honey trap did work. I mean, every man has a weakness to somebody, I suppose. Uh, but uh, he thought he was safe. He didn't think this was an Israeli asset, but it was. And once he was uh, away and in a vulnerable spot, they they basically kidnapped him in the night and uh, threw him in prison So before blowing the whistle on the nuclear arms. Yeah, I think he, um, didn't he fall asleep in one country and wake up in another, something like that? <laughs> So whatever yeah, he, was, he, he went out in Italy and ended up in, in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem. 